By that time, my mom had remarried. We moved to San Diego. And if you grew up in San Diego, right next to San Diego is Tijuana. And as a teenager, I used to go down there because, again, I wanted to be an adult. And I was drinking and using at 15, 16, 17, as if an adult was drinking and using. Lo and behold, that ism continued into college. Post-college, I got arrested, like I said, eight times in two years. And before you know it, I was facing five years in prison. And this was a nice white boy from a middle-class family, went to private school with a college degree, about to go to prison. And you and I both know what happens to nice white boys who go to prison. So (laughs) I was not looking forward to that. But luckily, I went, I called my mother from the jail cell and she said, Gregory, I want you to go to church. I said, you want me to go to church? She goes, yeah. Church is where you're going to find your answer. I'm like, okay. So that night when I got out, I went to a six o'clock mass. I, the mass ended. And right before it ended, the priest says, hey, tonight we're going to have confession. And I got three doors over here and three doors over here. Pick a door and go confess. And my first thought, Felicia, was this. If I confess, I can go out tonight. That's how fast I went from being miserable in a fetal position at 6 a.m. having been arrested the night before. 12 hours later going, all right, I'll make my deal with God and we'll go out. So I go in this confessional. I pick door number two. And waiting there for me is this beautiful older man with gray hair, lightning blue eyes, and an Irish accent. Tears roll down your face Reaching for something Someone to embrace To numb Welcome to Sobriety Checkpoint. Are you a parent in recovery, wishing for peace and emotional sobriety? Do you find yourself up late at night, Googling things like how to overcome negative thinking or why is my heart racing? Do you wake up with big, ambitious goals only to feel resentful and irritable when you put everyone else's needs first and leave no time for yourself again? Hey, I'm Felicia. I'm a 12-step returned therapist, and I too have battled anxiety and that critical inner voice. All I wanted was peace and just a little bit of time to myself. I tried to strive and achieve to find happiness, but that only left me with more anxiety. I finally realized I needed to discover my true identity to find the peace I was striving to attain. In this podcast, you're going to find solutions to navigating mental health, spirituality, and relationships to experience the peace you've been craving. It's time for that desperately sought-after solo target run. Grab your keys and let's go for a drive. There's no judgment or breathalyzer at this sobriety checkpoint. Bounded by the beauty of it all. Recognize I was always destined to fall into deepest dark we are stronger than we think we are so fight and show your strength welcome back to another episode of sobriety checkpoint before we get started i'd like to invite you to become a sobriety checkpoint insider by becoming an insider you'll get weekly updates with the latest podcast episode emotional sobriety and self-care tips, as well as early bird access to special offers. 
I'm excited to announce that I am now offering emotional sobriety coaching. So if you'd like to meet one-on-one, please reach out and schedule a call. My contact info is in the show notes. You can also head over to Facebook and join my community, where you're going to find other parents in recovery seeking solutions to emotional sobriety through exploring mental and emotional health, spirituality, and relationships. Check out the show notes for the Insider and Facebook group links. I hope to see you in there. Lastly, don't forget to subscribe to my show, leave a review, and share it with a friend. Reviews help boost my ratings, which helps other parents in recovery find my show. Thank you so much, and I'm super grateful for your support. All right, now let's get started. When I first got sober, on day one, I went and met my first sponsor, and he says, listen, I need you to do three things consistently. Don't drink or use no matter what. Go to 90 meetings in 90 days and take boxing lessons. And I'm like, boxing lessons? Why? He goes, when you do the first two, you're going to have so much resentment and anger, you're going to need to use that boxing lesson. What he really wanted me to do was A, sweat out the alcohol, B, Discipline is in boxing, push-ups, sit-ups, running, hitting the speed bag, hitting the heavy bag. I thought boxing was, I want to get in the ring and box with somebody. I didn't ever box anybody. I just did the boxing. And I jokingly say that when I say, when I try to get people sober, I say, look, you're going to do the same thing. Don't drink or use no matter what, 90 minutes and I need and do some form of exercise because you got to sweat it out of you and you got to start turning on the natural dopamine of what exercise does. And I've been preaching that for over 25 years that last part is exercise, exercise, exercise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's on my to-do list. Hey, guess what? We got to exercise. And then, oh, by the way, when you get in the gym, it's going to hurt the first three weeks. And meanwhile, you're getting that little mm-hmm. voice going, who is this guy? Here's the thing is, I didn't know what was going on with you, but guess what happens? I always believe this. That if Greg says this and suggests this to Felicia without knowing your story, and a day later you're at a luncheon and all of a sudden someone says, You look at somebody, how do you look so good? I've been exercising. The universe is telling you to exercise because me and that person do not know each other, but yet we're in your life the last 48 hours to remind you of what you need to do. I always tell people that. Do you believe in that? Well, I completely do because the other thing that has been huge, huge, huge on my mind is writing. And I used to write when I was a little girl. I had journals and I loved it. And I think maybe this is an excuse. Maybe this is a reason. I don't know. Maybe it's a little bit of both. Getting into school and having to do the writing for school, getting into working as a therapist and having to do things called progress notes. It's like writing that's not fun. So it sort of sucked the life out of joy of writing for me, the different things required to write. So it's interesting. I've got you. There's a couple other things that have popped up in my life about writing as well. So both double whammy there with the creative outlet, with writing, with the, I completely relate to the looking at people who are singer songwriters and being like, man, like there's definitely things where I was like, I wish I could do that. I'm not a singer. I bet you love music. I love music. Love it. Mm-hmm. I'm on Spotify. Mm-hmm. I'm always listening to music. It's, I just love it. It's so healing. I love when people talk about kind of how things are now, like what has recovery given them? I am curious if you can maybe just talk a little bit about your story as far as what happened, Mm -hmm. what kind of what it was like and what happened, maybe really briefly, because I think sometimes that is a good connection point for listeners about like, what was it like? And what was that turning point for you? Well, it's funny when people meet me and I tell them that, that at 25, I got sober, that I uh, went to jail eight times. 
and that I used to deal drugs, they can't believe it. They just cannot believe it because of the life I have now. And I said, I have a little word I like. The way I get the life I have now is through slow sobriety, slow sobriety, because I love shortcuts. Always have. When I was a kid, Felicia, I would get in trouble for talking in class. And so I would go to detention and they'd say, Mr. Champion, can you please write on the board 200 times, I will not talk in class. And this is the way I wrote it. I, 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 will, 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 no, 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 just to get through it. Shortcuts, which means if I look at the board, I never got the message because I'm just trying to get through it. That has been my pattern as someone before recovery. So what happened to me was I grew up with a single... Did anybody write lines the way that they were supposed to? Because I did the same thing that you did. <laughs> you know what's funny? I say that in meetings and people all raise their hand. We did the same thing. We love shortcuts. <laughs> but, but the thing is, we didn't get the message. And so when someone says, read the book, read the book. Don't just read the foreword. <laughs> we're so used to reading the cliff notes. And what life wants you to do is to soak it in. Take your time. This isn't a race. And so my story is that I really wanted to get to adultism fast. So I was raised by a single mom. My first three drugs, Felicia, were anger, attention, and fantasy. And the reason why anger showed up is my father was killed in a drunk on drunk car crash when I was four years old. So everybody else had a dad and I didn't. So I'm pissed at you. Oh, and oh, by the way, I was the prettiest girl on the block. I had blonde curly hair, big blue eyes. And I used to go to the hair salon with my mom. Oh, you and your daughter are going to have hair? And i so mad because what I did like was the female attention. Look how cute he is. What a nice looking boy. When he grows up, that attention. And then last but not least, fantasy. I thought to myself, I'm going to grow up and marry all three of Charlie's Angels. I'm going to drive a black Trans Am like Smoking the Bandit. And I'm going to be a famous boxer like Rocky Balboa. And I used to fantasize. And so those three things kept me equipped for a while. And then puberty kicked in. And when puberty kicked in, I saw the opposite sex. I saw that I had to dance like a monkey for the opposite sex. And the only way I felt comfortable to dance like a monkey was to drink and use drugs. By that time, my mom had remarried. We moved to San Diego. And if you grow up in San Diego, right next to San Diego is Tijuana. And as a teenager, I used to go down there because, again, I wanted to be an adult. And I was drinking and using at 15, 16, 17 as if an adult was drinking music. Lo and behold, that ism continued in the college. Post-college, I got arrested, like I said, eight times in two years. And before you know it, I was facing five years in prison. And this was a nice white boy from a middle-class family, went to private school with a college degree, about to go to prison. And you and I both know what happens to nice white boys who go to prison. So <laughs> I was not looking forward to that. But luckily. I went, I called my mother from the jail cell and she said, Gregory, I want you to go to church. I said, you want me to go to church? She goes, yeah, church is where you're going to find your answer. I'm like, okay. So that night when I got out, I went to a six o'clock mass. I, the mass ended and right before it ended, the priest says, Hey, tonight we're going to have confession. And I got three doors over here and three doors over here, pick a door and go confess. And my first thought, Felicia, was this, if I confess, I can go out tonight. That's how fast I went from being miserable in a fetal position at 6 a.m. having been arrested the night before. 12 hours later going, all right, I'll make my deal with God and we'll go out. 
So I go in this confessional. I pick door number two. And waiting there for me is this beautiful older man with gray hair, lightning blue eyes, and an Irish accent. And in 28 years of telling this story, I haven't figured out an Irish accent. So he says, son, sit down and tell me your sins. I sit down and I go, father, when I drink a lot, I go into bars and hurt people. When I smoke pot, I show up on Christmas on December 27th. And when I do a lot of cocaine, I date three women at the same time and they have no idea. And when I do all three of those, I fly large amounts of marijuana from the West Coast to the East Coast. He says, son, stop. He says, do you think you have a problem with drugs and alcohol? Oh, no. And then, Felicia, when your clients give you a BS answer on your couch or via Zoom, and you have to give them that therapist look or that sponsor look, right, of, gotcha, (laughs) he gave me that look. And I said, you gave me that look that my stepfather gave me. He goes, what kind of look was that? I said, my stepfather always asked me, do you think you have a problem with drugs and alcohol? And he goes, what was your stepfather's name? I said, Walt Janicki. Priest reaches over, grabs my hand and says, I was Walt Janicki's first sponsor. I still get teared up because it's such a God shot. It's such a providence moment. And this priest says to me, son, your sins don't belong here. They belong four blocks up at the Alano Club. And there happens to be an A meeting starting at seven o'clock. And I think you should go. Man, that's so cool. Did your mom know? No, she had no. No. I go, Father Bill directs me and I go to my meeting. And next morning I call him. And his name happens to be Father Bill Wilson, by the way, which is the same name as the founder of Alcoholics Anonymous. No way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. So that day when he points me to the meeting is 11-7-1994. And that's my sobriety date. 11-7-1994. Awesome. Oh, I love that. So you talked about it right from the top, and this is why I like you so much, about a higher power. And I thought it was so cool that a man of the cloth, Catholicism, pointed me to a place away from the church, to a place where he knew I could get healed, find a spiritual path, and really find my version of God later down the road. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. That's really beautiful. Your mom never told you. I think she knew. Moms know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She knew. (laughs) Oh, that's beautiful. That's so beautiful. So that's the turning point. That's the thing that happened. So you were there and you were facing five years and you end up in church and then you end up in an AA meeting. I chose the path of AA and I cleaned up my act and had a great sponsor and Father Bill and we did the steps and... um, And away I went. And um, I will say that the whole journey has not been perfect. I I did take three years off from AA. And what I can simply say, and I hope you get this, I did more damage dry than I ever did wet. I had no home group, no no connection. And I was doing some version of I got this. I was certainly not using, hence I didn't end up in jail, but I certainly was disappointing a lot of people acting out in other ways. I look back and I really always raise that red flag in my share because dry is no way to go through life. I completely agree with you on that. Yeah. So fast forward a bit. I did want to talk about, I guess, fatherhood, because it sounds like you didn't have kids before you got sober. How long into sobriety did you become a father? And tell me about your journey as a dad. The greatest joy I've ever had is being a father. I have three daughters, Elise, Annabelle, and my newest one is Charlize, who's 15 months. And a lot of people joke that based upon my prior life, that if I had 100 kids, I would always have daughters. It's just kind of my karma coming back at me. (laughs) But what I will say is that I got very 
lucky marrying someone who is in the other uh, 12-step program. She's also a Buddhist. And so she brings a certain energy. She also brings her own childhood trauma and drama and pain. And she's like, okay, I got my own Great Wall of China that's going to stay over there, right? She had good parents and bad parents, and she brings the good parenting to us. Really, I just, I don't know where I got it from, Felicia, but I just, I'm present. When people ask me what my hobbies are, my children. My children are my hobbies. I go to their soccer practices. I go to their plays, their recitals. I make sure they get a ride to and from a birthday party. And I just feel like this is a lot of the work that I do in the recovery world. When I work with women, it's because of a disconnect with their father. There was some long disconnect, some drama that went down. And a lot of their behavior was based upon that relationship not working out. They come and see me and their pain, their shame, their trauma, their drama is all at a seven, eight, nine, and 10. And I feel with my three girls, my job is to keep their pain, shame, trauma, and drama somewhere between a zero and two. And if I do that for 18 years, I think they have a pretty good chance of getting out into the world and doing really good things for the rest of us. I can just give you one awesome story about how my recovery has been instrumental in these girls' lives. About a year ago, my 10-year-old Annabelle was going on a campaway trip with some friends. And randomly, she says, hey, can we go to the store and get some uh, s'mores, marshmallows, chocolate, and some uh, graham crackers, right? I said, yeah, hop in, hop in the car, let's go. We go down the hill, we go to the store, we go back up. And literally halfway home, out of the blue, she says, Papa, have you ever been to jail? Now, <laughs> Felicia, you know my background. That, that answer is yes, eight times over. And all of a sudden, I sit there and I pause. Here's my little voice says, Greg, you've always spoken to them as if they were adults. They never sat at the kids' table. You've included them in some tough conversations. What would be, why don't you just be, why don't you just give her the answer? And so I turned to her and I go, yeah, eight times. Eight times. I said, yeah. And she sits there with a face. I said, Annabelle, you got to remember, that was when I was young and dumb. I was drunk all the time. And I have to remind you that when Papa would drink, he would end up in jail. And so in 28 years of sobriety, how many times have been to jail? She goes, zero. Then it gets real quiet for a few more minutes. And then she reaches over and grabs my hand and she looks at me and says, Papa, thank God you're sober. You've got me almost in tears over here. I'm holding back. I need to hold back. Yeah. Oh, that's, oh man. And, and here's the other thing. This same kid says this past Sunday where you got to eat pancakes and out of the blue, she goes, oh, I'm going to break your record. I said, what record's that? She goes, I'm going to be a hundred years sober. I'm going to break your record. <laughs> And I said, that's a great, I said, you know what? You probably will live to a hundred years because of modern medicine and good health and all that kind of stuff. And then she leans in and she goes, I already got 10. <laughs> I mean, oh like, man. Like, yeah. Kids are great sponges. We underestimate their wisdom. We underestimate their intelligence. We underestimate their emotional intelligence. And I'm a real big believer that we, to start off our conversation, to be authentic, to be transparent to connect like we do with adults, the same tools apply to kids, 1000%. To end, I would like you to, I know that there's not too much time left here, but when we first spoke, you talked about your current passion that has to do with, and you just said about your daughter, emotional intelligence. 
this sort of like the next step, right? You get sober and you shared with me this passion that you have about mental health, emotional health, emotional sobriety with, I think you mentioned with parents specifically. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, So so a lot of times I get very successful people to come to my houses to get sober. Part of my French here, their head finally pops out of their butt. (laughs) But one thing about sobriety, it will give you clarity. And so what I try to work with moms and dads is I try to coach them on how to become good parents because it's not too late. And I'll give you a real good example. I had a guy, big, powerful CEO. He had four kids. And I said, sir, you take your kids to Aspen for skiing. He goes, oh, yeah, I take them all four to, to ski. And then he goes, you take them to spring break in Hawaii. And you do this and you rotate around. All four of them go around. He goes, I go, have you ever taken one of your children to one special place? Why would I do that? I said, here's why. Sir, you need to learn how to date your kids. He goes, date my kids? Uh, yeah, your daughter's in the museums. Your son is in the surfing. Your other son is in the violin. And your other daughter, she wants to go to college on the East Coast, not be right next door to you. And he literally sat back and he began to cry because he realized that he did need to start dating his kids. Because I'm going to give you a shocking stat here, Felicia. We only get 19 years with our kids. We get 18 of them while they're in our house. And then you get one year total over the next 40 years. Long weekends at home, Christmas, spring break, mom, I'm coming home. If you think about it, 365 days is spread out over the next 40 years. You get a total of 19 years. I cry every time I say that because I just realized, what? What? Yeah. Wow. And 19 years flies. Next year is 20 years for my high school reunion. So it's been 19. So that went by. That went by fast. Let me give you a gift, Hotshot. Because of your recovery, you're going to be one of the youngest looking women there because you haven't put poison in your body. While your friends from the last 20 years from this one have all been snorting, smoking, drinking. You were surprised when I said 20, weren't you? <laughs> I was. I was for sure. Dude, well, thank you. <laughs> hey, Felicia, sobriety is the anti-aging drug. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm the biggest and- proponent of that. Love it. All right. How can people get in touch with you? The best place I want people to start is I want them to go to startuprecovery.com. It's the name of my company. It's where all the information is at. If I can't help you with my company, I will make sure I direct you in the right to some right resources. On a personal level, I'm easy to find at Greg Champion on Instagram. Here's the funny thing. I have Greg with two G's on the end. So it's G-R-E-G-G Champion. And I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, find me. As Coach Prime says, I'm easy to find. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If so, would you take 30 seconds and share it with another parent in recovery who may be looking for solutions to mental health in sobriety? Also, please leave a quick review on Apple Podcasts so that other parents just like you can find the show. I'm super excited to know this podcast is helping you. Tune in Thursdays for the latest episode. I'll see you back here on your next Target Run. Until next time. We are stronger than we think we are. So fight and show your strength. Learn grace from our God. Learn grace from our God. Learn grace from our God. Oh, Grace from our God.